Jesse, it's good to see you. Hey, we're so glad that you're here. My name's Sam. I have the great privilege of being the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church. And what that means is every single week I try to tell the greatest story ever told. Now, not because I'm some great communicator or it's even my story, but I believe this story is a story about Jesus, and Jesus is the greatest person to ever walk the face of the planet. I actually believe he's more than just a person. I believe he's God in the flesh. And so if you've ever asked the question, what is God like? Uh, you don't have to look any further than the person of Jesus. And we believe the Bible is this story about Jesus. We say this around here. We say it's all about Jesus. We wrote it on the wall if you need some help. And what that means is you're going to need a Bible to follow along. Uh, and so if you forgot a Bible, one of our ushers will get one to you. All you got to do is slip up your hand and they'll bring one over to you. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. We pray that you take that and read it every single day because every time you do, you get to meet with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're going to mix things up this morning. I know we've been in a series in the book of Titus, but I wanted to preach a, a special message to you this morning. So I want you to turn to the book of Philippians. Uh, and if you're new to the Bible, you can start in the right and turn left. You'll find Philippians much faster. It's a small book. I want you to look at the last uh, chapter of Philippians. And I'm going to read from verse... And I'm going to talk for just a few moments as we know it's uh, a weekend that uh, everyone is celebrating and with family. And so uh, we've decided to have a slightly different service this morning and, and uh, a little uh, more concise. I'm going to do my best to preach a concise sermon, but I don't think I can say my name in 20 minutes. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to do my best to do that and uh, release you to go spend some time with your family and your neighbors and your friends because we think that is a spiritual act to be a good friend and a good member of your family. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, so uh, I want you to look at verse uh, 4 of chapter 4. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say Rejoice. So let me read it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, one translation says your gentleness, let your, when, when you're uh, most gentle, it's when you're most reasonable, don't you think? And when you're least gentle, it's when you're most unreasonable. <laughs> So somebody say amen to that, right? Uh, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The, other, uh, the NIV says the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Look at somebody say, calm down. Don't be anxious about anything. And, and yet your response is, yeah, right. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, in everything, in everything, you, you know what that means in the Greek? You know that joke, right? Preacher's been using that joke for centuries. Uh, everything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, NIV says petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's the promise. And the peace of God, which surpasses. Another translation says transcends. 
surpasses, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let me read it again. And the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you for who you are and who you are to us. I thank you that this weekend we will rejoice in the Lord always. I thank you that uh, you give joy, you give life, and it's in you we live and move and have our being. And we ask for your grace today and let everything that we say and do bring glory to you and good to this valley. And everyone said, hey man how many, how many of you remember life before siri remember that right like uh, how, how many of you remember what it was like to get around in a f- city that you had never been to before your phone could tell you everywhere that you were going right the front rows like it was a map friend like you were driving okay uh let me tell you that 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 those maps destroyed more marriages right uh than uh anyway like there there are moments where like like that that was the thing right before uh siri told you where you were going there was that thing called the atlas right and you had to pull out that atlas i remember as a young kid i, I was i was the navigator for my dad and, and I'd pull out that atlas and, and I'd be like, we're on the wrong, we're in the wrong state, you know? And, uh, I'd be like, turn left. And somehow I was in a map of South Dakota or something and we were in Georgia and, and, and there's always this, this problem that we find ourselves in when we try to figure out where we're going. Like it, we, we love, uh, I, I loved when MapQuest uh, came out and it kind of did away with the Atlas and you could before, if you were smart, right? If you like, sometimes you, you would get in the car too quick and you'd be like, did you print out the directions? Right. <laughs> Did you, did you get on MapQuest? Did, did you print them out? You're like, no, I got them on my phone. You're like, you don't have data. Like, that's a BlackBerry. It's not going to, right? You, you remember those days, right? And, and so on, on MapQuest, the first question, when you're trying to figure out where you were going, the first question when you got on MapQuest.com, and, and, and I'm not sponsored, but... Um, uh, maybe, right? Uh, MapQuest, when you got on there, the first question it asked is, where are you? Right? Like, like the first thing you got to figure out, like when you stop, like, and that's why when the map, you're, you're like, you don't know, like you can have the Atlas, you can have the map, but if you don't know where you are on that, particular map. You ever been there, right? And then you got to stop at the 7-Eleven. You're like, hey, bro, where am I? 
right? <laughs> right? Like, uh, and, and all of a sudden, it could either go really well for you or you entered into some philosophical conversation with the clerk at 7-Eleven. Like, I don't know, where are, where are you, bro? Right? Like, this is going deeper than I expected. But the wife is in, in shambles. The kids are screaming. There's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And you're like, just get me the hell out of here. Right? <laughs> Like, I, I don't, I, 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 here's where I want to go, but before I can ever ask the question uh, and, and begin to ponder on where I'm going, I have to first realize where am I, right? Like, that's, that's step one. And like, that could be a difficult thing to do. You need markers. You, you, you need some landmarks uh, to help you uh, uh, coordinate and, and, and try to figure out where you are. See, see, I think the question that we need to begin to ask is where are we? Where are we as a society? Where are we as a country? Where are we as a culture? Where are you as an individual? Where are you as a family? Where are you as a marriage? Where are you as a friend? Where, where are you? Like, like that's the start. Because, because I think uh, sometimes we need to begin to ask the question, where do we go from here? But where's here? How do I figure out this moment? And, and sometimes, let, let's just be honest, it's, it's easier said than done sometimes to, to coordinate your exact location try to take inventory, try to be introspective, try, try to ask some tough questions, try to look at some landmarks in your life, trying to look at some markers to go, man, really, where am I as an individual? Where am I as a good friend? Where am I as a boss, as a manager, a pastor, a leader, a friend, a father, a mother? Where are we as a family? See, I, I think there's some moments like this weekend is like one of those moments, right? It's the 4th of July weekend, the weekend that we celebrate this great nation. Can I just give you permission? It's okay to celebrate this great nation. Somebody should say amen to that, man. You live in an incredible country and I'm convinced it's one of the greatest countries. I hear people say it's the greatest country in history. And I don't know because I wasn't there, but uh, it's pretty good right now, you know. And, and so I think it's like this weekend, like we begin to ask the question, like, because that's what's going on in our culture. Like we're, we're looking around and we're, we're, we're scrolling the bottomless pit that is the interwebs. And, and we're just going, what is this? What's going on? And where do we go from here? Really, the question is like, how did we get here? Like, how, like how did we get to this place? Well, there's some good and there's some bad there there's some there's some things we can be proud of and then there's some things that we need to learn from you ever as an individual there's some things in your life that you realize there's some things you should be proud of and then there's some things that you should learn from right there's some things that you can be proud of and you can celebrate and then there's things you need to learn from And I, I think that we as a country, 
There's some things that we can be proud of, and then there's some things we need to learn from. But this is not one of those messages where I want to talk in kind of a broad-scale way of where we are as a country or, or give you the historical kind of information about how this country was founded. And I, I think uh, that the Constitution is a great work. Why? Because I think it, it, it starts with the premise that there is a creator God and we are created in his image and he endows us with unalienable rights. And, and, and that means that government and people cannot take those away because government and people did not give those. God gave those and that is to be celebrated. Amen. And can I tell you that this is a new idea? When did this idea come? When the authors of Scripture begin to put pen to paper and begin to write that human beings have intrinsic value, no matter where they come from, what they look like, no matter their race, creed, or color. It, it doesn't matter that they are made by the Creator and the diversity around us begin to point ultimately to the grandness of who God is. And that's good news. Amen. And other, other civilizations until Christians came about, even in the setting in which the scriptures were written, the Romans had this Colosseum. You ever heard of it? The grandness of death and destruction put on display for entertainment. And yet we celebrate civilizations and buildings and things like that. And yet, can I tell you that when you think you have bad leaders, you've not seen anything, friends. That we would have Caesars sit in their luxury suites and watch people be slaughtered, human beings. This was the culture of the scriptures. This is, this is many, the very man who put pen to paper to, to write these words down in Philippians 4 would die at the hands of a Caesar, would die at the hands of a Rome, uh, the Romans. He would be, be beheaded for his writings, for his teachings. Man, that is some type of legacy. This is some thing to think through. And this book gave way to all that we have today. The known world is changed because of the scriptures. There's a great, uh, great book that I would recommend to you, and uh, I'll butcher the author's name, but the name of the book is The Book That Made Our World. And he's an Indian man who talks about the writings of, of the Buddhas and, and the Hindus and those ancient writings never gave way to human rights and dignity and the value of the individual. It wasn't until the Bible gave uh, this idea that we are made in the image of God and that we as individuals have intrinsic value just by being a human being. You have value. That's the very idea of grace, not that you've done anything, not that you add or contribute to society, not what you can work for or obtain or, 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 or add merit to, but just by being you. Look at somebody say, I'm glad you're you. 
right? Look at them again and say, we need you, right? Uh, But the beautiful thing is if you didn't contribute anything, if no creative act, no skill, no production came forward out of who you are, you would still have intrinsic value. Why? Because you've been made in the image of a wonderful, beautiful, loving God. And that's good news. Amen? And that's what's propelled our country. That's what, at each time, there's things we could be proud of and things we could learn from. But it's this guiding ethic that's propelled us forward. But it's an ethic that's been around for millennia. It's an ethic that's been around from the writings of this book, this book that's been going viral for thousands of years. So how did we get here? One of the ways we got here is this book. And this book is powerful. This book is a story about this one person who came and lived a selfless, obedient life, a life we could not live on our own. He actually shows us, he reveals to us, not reflections of the creator God, but the very image of the creator God. God became a man and dwelt among us. Philippians 2 is going to tell us that story. In this, in this book, this small book, that we, these couple pages that's in this library of books, Philippians 2 tells us this great story. One of those things I quoted this morning, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the praise of God the Father. That's in Philippians 2. And it's kind of this, this prayer that gets prayed from Paul. And he says, hey, I want you to have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is this mind? Well, it's a, it's a new ethic. It's this new thing. It's not normative in all of human history, but it's this new thing. And it's this idea of putting others first over yourself. What an idea to, to, to love someone else and value them the same way you value yourself, not survival of the fittest, not big dog eat little dog. It's not the strongest, the baddest, the person who walks with the biggest stick and can take what he wants. He has, no, no, no. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Consider others more valuable than yourself. Now here's the kicker and here's what we've learned is we've learned that people who live lives that are selfish, People who live lives that are just about themselves will end up with a life that's just themselves. They'll end up alone. They'll, they'll, they'll end up callous. They'll end up pushing other people away that actually what we find is the greatest value that you can bring to your life is actually living a life that's not about your life. Let me say that again. The greatest value that you can add to your life is living in life that's not just solely about your life. That's something new. That's something different. That was something that was revolutionary in this particular world and setting. And yet it still seems to kind of push back 
against the cultural norm that says, just do you. It's your truth, and, and it's what you want to believe, and, and whatever you feel like. You can be whoever you want to be. You can project to the world whatever you want to project. Whatever you feel like is who you are. Can I tell you, I don't feel so great sometimes. How about you? Can I just tell you that my feelings betray me a lot? How about you? Your, your, your emotions and your feelings betray you. The Bible says that the heart is a deceiver above all things. Man, it, it pulls me away. I know I shouldn't buy that. Yeah. <laughs> right? I know I shouldn't take that. No, I, I know this isn't good for me. I know I shouldn't eat that. I know I shouldn't, but I want it. I need it. I crave it. Right? I, 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 I in my feelings oftentimes move into folly. Feelings can oftentimes move me into foolishness. And yet faith is in contrast to my feeling. Faith actually causes me to believe something that's beyond my feelings. Faith moves me in the moment of fear, in the moment of being afraid, and moves me to live in a life, live in such a way that sometimes I don't feel like living. You know what I don't feel like doing sometimes? Living for others rather than myself. How about you? I just, I just, need, some, I just need some me time. Right? Just feel like, feel like me needs some me. Right? You're, you're, see, what faith does is move me into a life that's better for me, a life that's more valuable, even though I, like, it's counterintuitive. But here's how Jesus says it. He says, if you try to gain your life, you'll lose it. And we know this to be true. I mean, we make stories about it. There are movies that, that we watch that, that, that tend to, to show us this. The, the dad who, who works nonstop and forgets about his wife and his kids. The, the, the old man who has the, the, the house and the property and all the things, and yet none of his kids come to visit. You can have all the stuff if a man tries to gain the whole world. Right? If you try to gain the your life, you'll lose it. But Jesus says this, if you'll lose your life for my sake, then you'll truly find life. What is he telling us? He's telling us reality. He's telling us how it really works. He's telling us how he designed it to work. How did he design it to work? You are uniquely connected to each other. You're uniquely connected. You aren't just a self. You aren't just you living on an island alone. If you haven't noticed, you are on a, a spinning ball full of seven billion people. You are not alone, friend. And yet, our culture has tried to isolate us, convince us that being alone is best. Living for you is best. And what we see is anxiety depression and fear and loneliness and sickness and disease and yet you're interconnected one to another where do we go from here well here's what i know we better go together 
Where do we go? Where are we right now? Well, oftentimes we're divided. Oftentimes we're living in such a way that lives for self. Where are we? Well, maybe the question that you're answering is that question is, are you alone? If that question is, are you alone? Then where you have to go from here is somewhere, some place that leads you to community, that leads you to a place where you're not living just for yourself, isolated and alone, but you're living interconnected together. Where do we go from here? I can tell you that together will be a place that is better than being alone. You were never designed to be alone. You were never meant to be isolated. You were meant to be together. You're meant to live a life that's connected to others. And ultimately, you'll find a fullness of joy in that. We go, well, the, the way forward is difficult. Well, the, man, I, I tell you, we're kind of in a rough place right now as a family. I'm in a rough place as an individual. My life's full of anxiety and fear, and I don't know how I'm going to move forward. You ever been there? You ever felt stuck? You, you felt like you couldn't move past the place you were in? See, I'm convinced that, that when good times turn to bad times, life feels less like a mist, as James says. James says this, life is a mist, it's here and it's gone. But can I tell you that sometimes when bad times hit, life feels less like a mist and more like a fog? And I, I lived in, in the San Joaquin Valley for a couple years, got out of there, you know what I mean, right? Uh, doesn't smell like money there, I can tell you that right now. It's called the Thule Fog. You ever been there when it's, oh my goodness. Sometimes we get it here, like the other morning I, I was driving, uh, early morning dawn patrol on my way to Halama Beach and, and the fog had set in between here and Lompoc and I could barely see in front of me. I'd turn my lights on and, and ended up going surfing and leaving my lights on and that was a whole nother. Anyway, we made it out of that, Asher. And, uh, and yet, I, I remember what it was like. I, I didn't believe people. They were like, man, wait till you experience the Thule fog. And I'm from Kentucky. We have all kinds of weather. And I'm like, Californians, afraid of rain and fog, right? Like, we have tornadoes and <laughs> snow. And, and God bless Joe in Oklahoma. We're praying for you in Tornado Alley. And, uh, and yet, in... In this fog, I, experience, I remember one time I walked out of my house and I could not see the neighbor's house. It's like, I, I thought I'd woke up in an episode of Stranger Things, right? You know, like I was like, we're in the upside down. And anyways, bad Netflix joke. And, uh, and yet I walked out so I couldn't see the neighbor's house. I thought, man, I can't even walk across the street to the neighbor's house, let alone get in my car and drive to work. It's funny how many people use the fog as a way to get out of work. Anyways, but it was, it was difficult. 
It was, it was hard to see past. See, I think what happens when good times turn to bad times, when sickness hits, when trauma hits, when trouble hits, all of a sudden the fog of the moment sets in and you go, how do, I, this is never going to end. I can tell you I've had a few weeks like that with my family. Sickness, a month and a half, one kid to the next. Man, it's another thing. Man, it's more people and more volunteers in the church who are sick, more people. Are, man, it just seems like another thing and another thing. Of fog. You ever feel like that? You feel like, man, uh, man, it was this moment and this. I, we just got out of that. How are we going to get through this? See, I, I think that's what I'm going to talk this morning. See, more than talking about like where we are as a country, because the reality is, is the country is kind of this arbitrary thing. Because the idea is the country is made up of a bunch of people. You met any of them? And see, sometimes we think in the, in, in the macro, we don't realize it's the small things. Like you are the totality. We are the totality of the decisions that we made yesterday. Today is made up of yesterday. I don't know if you've noticed this. Did you notice that? I did. <laughs> Doing a great job. We are the totality of everything that we did yesterday. See, that's why Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Take care of today. <clears throat> Have you noticed it's never tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> it's profound. <laughs> she says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worry for itself. Take care of today. Here's the kicker. If you take care of Guess what gets taken care of? Which never comes. It's only today. It's only right here, right now. See, I think that's what this passage gives us. It gives us kind of this blueprint on how to encounter today. Because that's what you have. What's the way forward? Well, it starts right here. You know the only way forward starts right here. Think about that. My dad used to give a dad joke and somebody would ask, hey, how do, you, how do you get to such and such place? And he'd be like, well, you can't get there from here, right? See, so here's the reality. God's calling you to a life full of joy and peace and you can get there and he will help you and he will give the way and the way starts right here the way starts with you beginning to one foot in front of the other begin to rejoice in the Lord always again I say rejoice now here's the strange thing about rejoicing Rejoicing is this, this verb, this action. But 
to say Paul is saying something, he's saying something threefold. Because he's saying rejoice, but he's implying that there's joy that overflows into rejoicing. It means that you have something to actually rejoice about. See, rejoicing is that moment where you go, man, that was good. And you know what it is? When, what, I, what I think we need as the church, we need as believers, we need as families, as individuals, what we need to recapture is the art of enjoyment. See, the only way to get to rejoicing is you have joy, and the only way to have joy is you actually enjoy. I know, I know, big, big idea. It's really hard. But have you ever met those people who could be at a party and they hate it? Right? You remember what Thanksgiving was like last year? Right? See, see what, what Paul is saying is that you can enjoy God so much so that it adds to the overall vitality of joy that you have. As if you were a well. See, the Bible says that God, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. As if he's making you a wellspring of rejoicing that other people could come around. A spring of life and joy that other people say, man, can I have a drink of that? But it starts with you enjoying what God has put right in front of you. So when you sit down for a juicy filet, right? Okay. Uh, or hummus and tortilla chips for the, for the vegan, Wh whichever illustration you need, you just, just for the vegans. I don't understand you. We love you. Don't understand you. But if, but whatever illustration you, you want to have, when you enjoy something, you don't have to conjure up rejoicing. You know what you do? You bite into it and you go, mmm, that's good. Mmm, that's good. So you go, man, I want to get to a place where we're singing and worshiping and rejoicing. I want to have something to rejoice about, friend. You have to start enjoying what God has put right in front of you. Because what you have to realize is he is near. He's right at hand. And you could be with him and miss him. You could be at the party he set for you. See, there's a story in the Gospels. Maybe you remember it. It's like, it's like this. It starts off and it says, there's a man who had two sons. Right, you know this story as a story called the prodigal son. But can I tell you, that's just terrible marketing. Because the story's not about a son. The story's about a father who had two sons. Maybe you know the story. One son goes to dad and says, Dad, I'd like my inheritance up front. You're like, what? That's not how it works. But okay. 
and he gives him half of all that he had. The son goes away and he squanders all of it. He gambles it away, he drinks it away, he finds himself in a pigsty. He finds himself there eating what the hogs are eating. He wakes up one day and he goes, man, you know what? Even the servants in my father's house have it better than I got it. You don't know what my father, and here's what you need to hear. Hear all of the things in the story that are screaming out about the goodness of a father. Even the lowest have it the best. It says, even the servants have it better than I do. So he goes back. He's trying to figure out. He rehearses it. Dad, I've sinned against you. Done what's wrong. I would like to be a servant in your house. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. The whole way to his dad's house, he's rehearsing it. Dad, I'm sorry. I just want to be a servant in your house. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. He gets to the gate, the driveway, a long driveway. He sees his dad up on the porch. And unexpectedly, he's not sitting in the rocker. It's about time. He's not waiting there, arms folded. Brow down. Who's this guy? You know what it says? It says that the father took off running from a long way off. So that's my son. That's my boy. And he greets him, he wraps him in his arms. He grabs, he says, this is my son. He's like, dad, he goes to rehearsal. Like, no, 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 we got a party to throw your home. He's like, dad, I got something to tell you. It can wait. We got to kill the fatted, the fatted calf. Sorry, I know this is a bad sermon illustration for vegans today. So we got to kill the fatted calf. We're eating filet mignon and he throws a party puts a robe and a ring on him. They get a big tent. Everyone comes and he says this, my son once was dead and now he's alive. He's home. But this is a story about a man who had, picture the party, picture the tent, picture a wedding reception and there's no wedding. It's just his boy's home. And then pan out from the tent. Everyone's having a good time. Everyone's loving life. Everyone's dancing and celebrating. And just outside the tent, there's the other son. He's pacing back and forth. He's like, my brother. And then he's like, you know, it's not really my brother. You know who did all this? It's my dad. That's who did all this. Come on, I can't believe dad would do I've been here working and slaving. All of a sudden, dad's looking around the tent and he's going, where's my other son? Then I gotta go find my boy. He walks outside the tent and there he is. He's like, hey man, what, what are you doing? He's like, dad, I can't believe you do this. 
You're, he squandered everything. He did all that, and you're going to throw, throw him a party and kill the, the fatted calf? I've been here with you, and I've been working. And then he says this. He's like, you didn't even give me a goat to party with my friends. Dad's like, there's a buffet with flame and yawn on it in there, and you're worried about a goat? Like, really? A goat? It's like, yeah, I really wanted a goat. Hang out with my boys. And the dad looks at me and goes, son, don't you realize that I'm always with you? And everything I have is yours. What are you thinking about? He says, can I celebrate that my son once was dead, but now he's alive? Jesus tells this story, this parable. And imagine that scene, dad and son outside of the tent and the curtain drops. It's like one of those, mo those movies where at the end, my wife's like, so what happens? I was like, that, like that, that's the point, right? Like she's like, no, what do you, what do you think happens? I was like, no, 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 what do you think happens? And what do you do with what you heard and what you saw? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be evident to all. The Lord is right here, right now. I am with you always. And everything I have is yours. Sometimes we become least gentle and reasonable when we're focused on what everyone else has. My brother, can't believe he got this. You're worried about what you don't have. Man, I wish I had a goat, my friends. Don't be anxious about anything, but with prayer and petition, make your requests known and the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. How do you go from here? You go with him, and if you do, he'll be near. For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because my father is with me. And the Lord is near. How do we go forward? Well, the only way forward is with God because that's where peace is. Then he says this, finally, brothers and sisters, and here's what I think is the key. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's praiseworthy, whatever's excellent, whatever's worthy of praise, whatever's commendable, excellent, think on these things. See, if you're not careful, if you're thinking about the wrong things, you'll end up like this brother outside of the tent, pointing the finger at everyone else. You'll be at a party that you cannot enjoy 
because your mind is on all the wrong things. But if you will realize, man, stop thinking about the next job. Stop thinking about the next relationship. Stop thinking about the next. Well, when we get here, or I wish things were like this. I wish our community was like this. I wish our state was like this. I wish our country was like this. Start thinking about what's true. Is there anything lovely? See, listen, California. You can get so fed up with California, you miss that you live by the beach. I can tell you Texas is hot, all right? Right, see, sometimes we we think the grass is greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. Whatever's true, whatever's prayer. How do we go forward? We go forward with the mind of Christ. Putting others above ourselves, finding what is true and lovely and praiseworthy. We celebrate what God has put right in front of us to celebrate. Listen, you want to silence the chaos of your home? Stop the noise. Stop looking at the bad. Stop looking at the evil. And start beginning to rejoice in the Lord always enjoy him so much so that the joy of the Lord is our strength will you pray with me gracious heavenly father we love you we thank you for who you are and who you are to us I ask for your grace today you help us how do we go forward we go forward with you we go forward with truth we go forward with what is lovely and honorable and praiseworthy Let us this weekend, when we think about our country, when we think about our leaders, we think about the place we live in, let us enjoy right here, right now, today. Because tomorrow is not promised. Tomorrow has enough worry for itself. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of joy. Today is the day of peace. And I'll enjoy it. Let us be a spring of joy so that our community, our friends, our family have a wellspring to drink from. Let us have pockets of heaven right here on earth. Let us celebrate that we are with you and you are always with us. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Will you give Jesus one more hand clap of praise?